The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale. Holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. And welcome to Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. Thank you for being here. This is show number 49, Pooch Coach Training Tips with Beverly Ulbrich about basic training tips for your dog using her empathic methodology that will help you learn to speak dog and gain their trust. I'm Charlie Kale, a passionate dog and cat mom broadcaster and Reiki master and practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I do Reiki and intuitive counseling for people or animals all over the world because energy transcends space and time. We can do it over Zoom or Skype or the phone you choose. Reiki helps you de-stress and relax your nervous system to strengthen your immunity. So go to my website, charliekale.com. C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. A friend of mine and I were just talking the other day about how when we find something that really works, we get excited and we share it with everyone. She was talking about the positive effects of the Reiki I had done over Zoom for her and her two cats. I was talking about the probiotics I use from Purium pure, premium, organic, plant-based superfood supplements. I use Biomedic for me to boost my immunity and pull glyphosate out of my system and Epigenius for dogs to do the same for them with the combined benefit of quality joint supplements. And that's why I became a team member and made them my sponsor. Go to ishoppurium.com and put in my code to get a 25% discount. It's Mind Body Pause. ishoppurium.com with the discount code Mind Body Pause. This is your safe place to honor animals where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, and empathically. My guest is a San Francisco-based private dog trainer and behaviorist who's worked with dog owners, rescue organizations, veterinarians, and more. She founded The Pooch Coach to help people better connect with their canine companions through her empathic methodology and expertise in everything from dog aggression to fear and anxiety. Her motto is, any dog, any problem. In addition to casting, training, and handling dogs for stage, TV, and film, Beverly often appears on TV herself as a canine behavior expert. You've seen her on all the national networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, Animal Planet, Bravo TV, Discovery Channel, and much more. Her two-year-old dog, Music, has already starred on TV and film. The Pooch Coach has won so many awards, including a local hero award for supporting her community during the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, Beverly Elbrick. Hey, thanks for having me. Any dog, any problem. Those are some big words, Missy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it because everything 
your website, first of all, is such wonderful information for anyone just wanting some information and, and figuring out how do I go about working with my dog. And again, that's poochcoach.com. So tell me what empathic dog training means. <laughs> what it means is, 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 is literally the word empathic, right? It means to understand and have empathy for another being. And I find a lot of times people make ridiculous <laughs> but assumptions about why their dogs are, are doing a certain behavior or they're just like kind of blocked at, at being upset with their behavior and they're not thinking about it from the dog's perspective and as soon as you do that just like with humans if you can think about it from their perspective or learn where they're coming from then it's easier to put up with it if it, if it is bad behavior and understand where it's coming from and more importantly it's easier to fix it <laughs> because then then you know you can go back to where the issue really is coming from and heal it versus just reacting to um, signs and, and actions and things that may or may not really reflect what's going on inside the, the animal. Like you said, it really heals the situation and fixes it rather than puts a Band-Aid over it. Right, exactly. So let's start with communication because it sounds like basically that's where it starts. What do we do to start speaking dog and really communicate with our animals? Right. My first lesson um, with clients always uh, entails talking about the simple two, two phrases, good dog and no. And obviously you can modify them a bit. But what it means is you have to have a way to tell your dog, yes, that was a good thing you did or no, I didn't like it. Without that, just like with a child, you're providing no leadership, no guidance, and you're leaving the dog to guess right from wrong. But the more you talk to them and let them know, oh, you're sniffing a dog politely, that's a good dog, good dog. Or you just snapped at that dog, no, don't do that bad dog. They have to hear that from you to understand. And it sounds simple, and, but I, you, I, I'm shocked at how many people don't do that. If you watch a dog who has, a person who has a dog who's violently barking at you or whatever, they very rarely are telling them anything. They're usually just embarrassed, pulling the leash as tight as they can and trying to go in the other direction. They don't try to talk to their dog and say, hey, don't do this. So, of course, why would the dog even think of stopping it? They're, you're not telling them that it's a bad thing. They're going to just keep doing it. Exactly. And I hate hearing when people are yelling, bad dog, bad dog, when the dog was actually doing what they thought was the right thing. And I, I yeah, exactly. want to yell, it's not a bad dog. It's a bad odor, bad odor. Exactly. <laughs> and my dogs are so used to hearing good dog in every different form of a voice that I could do it and if I'm in the kitchen and I'm saying good Brooklyn good Sasha all of a sudden the other one comes running in the kitchen oh I think good dog just might meet a treat today or at this moment in time because <laughs> sometimes it does but you know what sometimes it doesn't it just means um, I'm showing you a lot of love and telling you you're a good dog well again it's targeting a behavior if you're looking at it by training right Mm -hmm. so, so an example is uh, I had a friend who had a three-year-old golden retriever that every time a dog ran up to it, it would just collapse on the ground and roll over and show its belly. And I said, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, does your dog get attacked a lot? And she said, yeah, all the time. And I said, why do you let her do that? She goes, well, I don't know what to do. So the next time a dog ran up, she went to lay, you know, lie down. I said, no, 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 no. And I got her up. And then I kind of, you know, let her nose to the other dog's butt. And then she smelled the dog's butt. And I said, good girl, smell butt. Good girl, smell butt. <laughs> and then I did that one more time with another dog. And she never laid down again. 
Wow. Just twice I had to tell her, no, get up and instead do this, praise her for doing it. And she was like, oh, that's what you want me to do when a dog comes up. Nobody bothered to tell me up to now. So I was just doing what I thought was right since I was a puppy. And so then after that, she was fine. Never got attacked again. What are some basic manners that you can help people with, with their dogs? Because there's so many things. They could be the sweetest, most loving dog in the world, but, um, you know, they might jump on people or they might be dog aggressive because they're saying, I want to play with you. Come over here and play. (laughs) That kind of a thing. And it's it's not good because it scares people. Right. Um, Well, the bottom line is, is just like with kids, you've got to teach your dog what you want them to do and be there for them. Like you don't teach a kid to, for, for instance, to play catch by going out in the yard once a month and throwing the ball twice. But, <laughs> right. with, but they think that's all they have to do with the dog. Like a dog should know how to catch. A dog should know how to swim. A dog should know how to, you know, sit politely to be petted. No, it doesn't know any of those things. But whatever it is doing is what you've taught them to do, period. So if you've taught your dog, you know, if you, if you taught your dog when you come home, they can jump up on you and go crazy and you pet them and think it's all great. Well, then you've taught your dog it's okay to be completely, literally completely out of control and have <laughs> no, no, no um, ability to listen to you, which again, think about it from nature. There's never a time when an animal can't listen to their leader, whether it's a flock, herd, pack, whatever, any group of animals has a leader telling them what to do. If they don't listen, they die. So when we have a dog that's too excited to sit, that's literally an imbalanced animal. And this should never happen. It's, it's fine to be happy, but why would they get excited? What does an excited cow look like? There's no such thing as excited animals, right, in, in, in the real world, so to speak. So we have to make sure our dogs can remain calm and listen to us at all times. And when another quick thing to say, too, along those lines are, you only reward the things you want. So if your dog comes up and paws at you to get petted and you immediately pet, you're teaching them that they can rudely ask for a pet or if they bark <laughs> at you and, and you pet them or throw the ball. You're teaching them when you are obnoxious, I will reward you. You have to do the opposite. If somebody, if my dog pawed at me to get petted, I would be like bathroom break. I'd get up and walk away and be like, absolutely not. That doesn't work. The opposite of what you want is going to happen. And then I'd come back and say, want to try it again? Sit, good dog. Now I'll pet you. Mm. But you have to break those habits. Um, and if a dog has those habits, and what's going to happen too is the longer they go, the worse they're going to get. Because just like anybody, if you're, if you're used to getting a reaction for doing something and it stops, it, they're not going to calm down right away. They're going to get worse. So, so then that's usually where it really starts going bad because they're like, I'm trying to ignore him, but he's pawing at me even more. And now he's barking. It's like, yes, he's absolutely sure he can manipulate you. He's just trying to figure out how. Yeah, to get the um, desired result. They're like, oh, I'm not trying hard enough. So they're trying in the way they know that has worked. Yeah, a way they're just trying to communicate with us. Uh Whatever works to get what they want, they're going to keep doing. So what would be one basic thing for uh, people to try to do for um, a manner type thing? The easy solution for all of this is just make sit equal please. So in other words, if your dog wants anything, they want their dinner, they want their leash put on, they want a scratch, they want a pet from you when you come home from work, any of that stuff, it's sit to pet, sit to feed, sit to throw the ball, sit to get the bone. So they start learning that in order to get what they want, they sit. And, and the thing to make it, some people are like, oh, my dog's never going to sit to be petted, he's too excited, whatever. Uh, 
most people, if they've done some training, will notice that if they take out their dog's treats that they really like, the dog automatically sits because they know right. that's the only way they're going to get the treat. It's no different for every other action. If they understand that the only way they're going to get petted is if they're sitting, they will sit to get petted. The only way you throw the ball is if they sit, they will sit. It's only because you're showing them that they can do whatever they want and they still get the reward that they're not doing it. Mm. So that makes sense. And something else that you uh, deal with with dogs that we come across sometimes, um, very aggressive dogs, whether people adopt them or are trying to give them a better life because they got shuffled from this home to that home and returned to the shelter and then they're on you know, death row. And so somebody adopted them and then doesn't exactly know how to bring them out into the world. Or uh, you're out with your own dog and you happen to see an aggressive dog coming or in the area or in the dog park. I know that's a heavy one. That's a big yeah, one. That's a <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I was just saying, I know there are so many layers to it and so many parts to it. Um, is, is there any thing in there that you would want to start with to warn people about? Yeah, well, the bottom line, if your dog shows any aggression, if they growl at you, at a friend, if they snap or bite, they should not be doing that. Literally, a dog should never growl. I mean, play growl, playing tug or, you know, and pretending, that's fine. But if your dog literally is saying, don't touch my food bowl, don't touch my paw, you know, don't come near me, that's, that's, that's a dysfunctioning dog. You must, you must get help because it will escalate. If you're allowing them to show aggression when they're upset, whether it's fear or resource guarding, whatever's causing it, um, even if the base is something else, if you're allowing them to do that, it's only going to continue because they think that they can talk in their normal language. That's how they talk in nature. They'd be like, growl, that didn't work, snap, that didn't work, fight, that didn't work, attack. So they're going to do the same thing with you. But if you nip it in the bud in the beginning and tell them that's not how we communicate here, <laughs> then you can fix it. So the, the main key is just to get help from a professional who really does understand aggression, not your average you know, Joe dog trainer, but a behaviorist and, and that works with aggression. And, and if you catch it early enough, it actually can be very easy to turn around because at first they are just experimenting. Does this work? Does it work if I snap at somebody? When they learn it doesn't work, they, they stop the activity. But the issue becomes like the first time your dog does snap at a person or bark at another dog, you even have a reaction to that. You even start getting nervous. Now when you see a dog, you go, oh, my gosh, is my dog going to bark and get upset? Oh, my gosh, I'm getting upset. Well, now your dog goes, oh, mom doesn't like these dogs either. She's getting all upset when they approach. So I'm, I have to help her twice as much than I thought. And then they get even worse about their aggression because they're sure they have to help you because you're acting upset. And so the, a vicious cycle happens and it goes pretty fast and the dog can get pretty aggressive pretty quickly. What about if they're in pain? If they were um, growling because you know, something hurt, they got a foxtail in their paw or, or something that you weren't aware of. Right. And so there, though, too, again, if your dog knows you and trusts you, just like with your kid, you should be able to like my dog has a, I've had to take bee stingers out of my dog, foxtails out of my dog, all those things. I've had to clean wounds. So they, it hurts, but they trust you. If they trust you, they're not going to they're, they're going to assume you're doing it for a reason and they're going to let you do it. So if you don't have that trust, again, if somebody you have to work with your with somebody. And the only other thing I'll add there, though, if it's a completely weird um, aggression, um, like I'll tell you uh, my story. I had a dog. He was 
eight and a half years old and never, ever tried to bite me for any reason at all or anything. And he had been stopping eating. So I knew something was a little wrong, like he was off. But then I went to give him a bath and I was washing him around, you know, around his stomach and everything. And he actually went to bite me. Like he didn't bite me, but he acted like he would. And I said, oh my God. And I, so I knew right away, this dog is in some horrible pain. Something's very wrong with him because he never would act like that. So I immediately got him to the doctor and I found out he had liver cancer and 10 days to live. Mm-hmm. So they will do that when they're upset. But that, so it's a sign when you see a dog acting differently. The first thing I even tell people, if it's, if it's a young dog, then it's just a natural progression. They go from fear to aggression at around one, one and a half, two. But if it's a six-year dog, six years or especially 10-year-old dog that's suddenly aggressive, they probably are in pain. They might even be going senile. They might be going blind or deaf. So you have to look at the whole picture and try to figure out what it is that's making your dog upset for the first time at this later age in life. Absolutely. Yeah. My German shepherd is, um, she's a King shepherd. So she's extra tall, extra big. Um, People call her the giant German shepherd. So she can look extra scary and she's got the biggest heart in the world. And she's so gentle. Uh, She, she curls up, with cats that, that I used to have, um, and so sweet. And I, I, she was exactly that way when she had an infection that I didn't know about. And I touched her somewhere and she snapped in the air, not at my hand. She snapped in the air and then let out this cry to let me know, no, mommy, no, (laughs) no, mommy. And, um, and I was so impressed with her because I mean, I see now why she did that that way, because she trusted me, but was informing me very clearly that she was in pain. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, she could have bitten my hand off. I'm so lucky. But no, it's because she trusts me. And of course, I got her to the vet, got her on antibiotics, and we figured it out. Um, But yeah, you're right. right. And that's the point I even make when people try to make excuses for their dog and say, well, the other dog barked at them first, and then that's why they attacked him. Or my, my, my son petted her a little rough, so that's why she bit my answer is still, they don't have to, just like with humans. If something hurts, they should yelp. I can say ouch to you if you hurt me. I don't have to punch you in the face. <laughs> right. And it's the same thing with a dog. A dog can say, yelp, that hurt. And yes, if you keep doing it and you won't stop, even though they told you, then yeah, they might bite. But if they're yelping, stop, you know? And with another dog, same thing. I tell people, your dog can walk away just like with a person. If you're in a bar and somebody starts yelling at you, you can get up and have a fight or you can leave the bar. And, and the dogs can walk away from a fight, too. And so it's still a, a fight still takes two. Right. So even if it's 99 percent the other person's fault, it's still one percent yours for engaging. Mm. Now, if somebody gets in my face, then you will see my dog's protective nature come out. She's so loving to everyone. But if if somebody's yelling at me, then, yes, she will definitely get in their face. And so in that case, I would still be at fault if something happens. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's protective of her mommy. <laughs> um, so. Uh, uh, what? Uh, oh, 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 I know what it was. Um, I was mentioning to you that um, my dog recently had an episode to where she spent, you know, 10 years favoring other other legs because she has elbow dysplasia and her she doesn't put much weight on her one leg, even though she does have a custom fitted brace for it. Because of that, her lower back has been so stressed lately, the back uh, around the hips. Um, and it, 
went out on her recently. And so I had to get her a new harness and it's for shoulders and hips and helps her get in and out of the car and helps her do steps. Well, she hates it. (laughs) She absolutely (laughs) hates it. And um, I was getting her to be adjusted to it with lots and lots of treats, but my fault I lost patience with it, like in the middle of the night when she wanted to go out and I tried to put it on her without getting out the treats. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't want any part of this. And I lost, I, my fault. I, I wasn't as patient as I should be. What would you recommend as someone getting their dog adjusted to a new form of restraint, whether it's a harness or orthotic device? Um, yeah, or, or even a muzzle. Ah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, basically, the idea is you have to set it up as a positive thing to begin with, meaning when you introduce them for the very first time, don't just put it on, right? <laughs> Show right. them it with treats. Show that this muzzle, that, like with muzzles, I have dogs take the treat, like put their nose in the muzzle to take the treat. Because then they're like, oh, great. What a great game. I'll put my, my nose in this to get a cookie. Right. Um, and same thing with the harness. You could be like, I'm going to start to put it on. Here's a cookie. I'm going to put one more. Here's another cookie. And, and so you, you associate it with fun things. You make sure they're really comfortable with it. And then, um, and then what I also tell people is it's not bad, obviously, to keep it up. So like my, my dog wears little shirts and she went through a phase of I don't want to wear them when we go out. And she'd walk away and I'd be like, fine, I'll leave without you. <laughs> um, so I pretend to leave without her. And then I did the cookie thing. And now, because I've done enough cookie things, she's like, all right, fine. As long as I get a cookie, go ahead, put it on. <laughs> and so cause she, now when she sees it coming, she knows there's a cookie instead of just, oh, crap, I don't want that. There's a, a positive association. So I'm all about positive reinforcement. I totally agree. Some people still think punishing a dog is going to permanently change the behavior. I don't agree. Can you explain some of the reasons why that definitely doesn't work? Well, it's not that punishing doesn't work. Let's clarify, too, what we mean there. But what I'm going to get at is that positive reinforcement is just a a nice scientific way to get animals to, again, have a positive association with doing a certain task or with a certain object or whatever, and that's fine. But the the issue is if you don't have any, quote-unquote, punishment, just like with children, it's not going to be very easy to raise them. You can't have a child that you say, hey, go to bed, and they say no, and you say, okay, how about if I give you $10? And then they say, okay, that's what you, you can't tell a dog sit. Well, how about if I give you a cookie? Okay, now you'll sit. That's them just being spoiled and relying on you paying them to do things, which is dangerous. Because then what happens when you're outside and they want to chase a squirrel across the street? You yell sit and they go, I don't care if you have filet mignon in your hand, I'm chasing the squirrel. So in real life, animals only get punished, right? They get told, do this or I'll kill you or you'll be left behind and die like you'll be there if you don't follow me when I say to run off or fly off when there's danger you you'll be the one that's left behind and taken out of the gene pool Uh. because you need to listen to the leader at all times and if not you will be punished or dead so because of that you have to remember with dogs and like kids that there's got to be a carrot and a stick but I think the thing that we get messed up on is punishment does not have to be scary torturous or painful when we punish kids you don't necessarily think of beating them so you don't have to think about beating a dog either punishment for a dog is ignoring them that's a ah right yes so if they're like what i mentioned if my dog paws at me and i want them to stop i leave the room that's a punishment i did not hit him i did not scare him i just left the room so he didn't get what he wanted so then i'll come back 
I ask him to sit, pet him. He'll go, oh, now I get it. I should sit to get petted. So I replace the activity with the thing I want and train him into it. That's all you have to do. And that's true for every single thing, basically. That's all you're doing. That's all dog training is. Don't do this, do this. There's a better outcome if you do this. But there's, if there's no negative outcome, it's going to be very hard to stop some behaviors. If, you know, counter surfing works because every time they get up there, they get a roast beef or something. <laughs> yes. They're not going to learn to not counter surf, even if you do want to give them a cookie for not doing it. <laughs> like, hmm, do I want the roast beef or the milk bone? <laughs> so true. We're down to the last minute. What is one last thing you would like to impress upon everyone? I think the easy way to think about dog training and what I was trying to sum up there even is make sure you're just, if, if your dog's doing something you don't want, figure out what they do want and train that instead and stop rewarding that bad behavior accidentally by paying attention to them when they're doing it or giving them positive feedback. Instead, show them, no, that does not work for me. And then show them what does work. And then they'll know in the future, that's how I get you to do what I want by asking nicely, not demanding. So. Um, you are also a, uh, um, you cast, you train, and you handle dogs for stage, commercials, TV, film, all that. Uh, would you do another show with us where you talk about that, being on set with you? Sure. Awesome. That'd be great. Find out more about Beverly Ulrich and the Pooch Coach at poochcoach.com and join her on all her social media platforms. Thank you, Beverly. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out on Mind Body Pause Holistic Living for you and your animals. I'm Charlie Kale. If you need some de-stressing and want to boost your immune system in the process, email me for some Zoom Reiki, distant healing, or Skype Reiki or phone Reiki for you or your animals anywhere in the world. Go to charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. And you can also find past shows on there as well as on my page at Empower Radio. Thanks to my sponsor, Purium, with their Pure Premium Organic Plate plant-based superfoods that boost your immunity and pull glyphosate out of your system for you and your dogs. Go to ishoppurium.com, put in my discount code MINDBODYPAUSE, and that will help support the show. Thank you, Brent Carey, founder and CEO of Empower Radio, and Tony Ficini in the studio in Detroit. Take care and remember that no matter what's going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. They know it and chose you anyway, and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free zone. See you next time. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.